You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Tuesday, the God damn it, what's the date? <laughs> Dude. Oh, this sweet way. irony. Eighth. Of. Well, if they don't know that, screw them. <laughs> they shouldn't be listening. They should be medicated instead. <laughs> There's a nice padded room for them. Okay, I'm starting back. Oh. You're damn right. I don't start over when I screw up. But I give you the option. Yes. Fine, fine, to. fine. Hello, folks. <laughs> <laughs> we were supposed to record last week, but we didn't get the opportunity because of unexpected holiday guests that showed up at my house. So uh, so we are recording this week. We did want to last week tackle Spider-Man because, of course, um, that's just what everybody's talking about right now. Now, initially, we were going to do another another series which we were going to do <laughs> promise we're going to get to that, that before eventually the we will get to it probably in five episodes i'm thinking um but so that five episodes ago yes i know but sh- shut up dude i'm trying here okay <laughs> <laughs> eventually we will because we have to and just so you know cat out of the bag it's going to be lone wolf and cub and we have to talk about this this is one of my all-time favorite series and ever since we've started this podcast i've been dying to talk about it so we will get to it but Obviously not today. Today we do have to talk about Spidey because it's important. This is important crap. So we have to talk about it. So as you heard there, of course, Vince is back for more reviews. How's it going today? But not bad. Not bad. Finally, finally evening out again. Yes. Well, you've done the retail mad hattery of the holidays. Just so, so much. <laughs> like this, this was one of the most insane years I've worked and you know what's funny and and I can I feel exactly what you're saying. I worked in retail for many years before I started working with the government. And it's funny because whereas with you it goes ballistic and it's just mayhem trying to get everything done. With us everybody's going on holidays. So it it gets so boring. <laughs> like once you're caught up on all the work you have to do, it's kind of nice and relaxing after that. It's a nice hey, time here. Yeah. But you know, it, it's a trade-off because, you know, weather. <laughs> yeah, well, there is that. I, I was complaining about it being too hot in December, so. <laughs> you know what? We actually have been getting so much bloody snow lately that we're looking at, again, one of those situations, like the first year we got here, where there's we're running out of places, out of yard, to put our snow. <laughs> it's been a little bit too much. Anyways, enough of that crap. Um I did want to say one of the things that I had Twittered about as well right uh, before the new year um, was just to give a thanks to all the creators that we have talked about on the podcast over 2012, whether we liked your stuff or not, whether you were writing or doing art or whatever it was that you were doing, just a huge thanks for continuing to do what you do because it allows us to do this and it allows us to, to read these these great pieces. And, and even if they're not always phenomenal, they do incur conversation. And for that, again, thanks to everyone that we've discussed on the podcast. So let's move on to, <laughs> to Spider-Man. Because we'd kind of been talking a little bit about it as 700 was quickly approaching, as rumors were 
all over the damn place on the interwebs. Um, we'd been talking about how the story was progressing and in spite of you having faith in him, I was saying I wasn't so happy with what was going on with Doc Ock taking over his body. And so with seven... Spoilers. What do you mean spoilers? <laughs> like they don't know this? What size of rock are they hiding under? With you. Yeah, really? Geez, no. If they don't know it, they should not be listening. Um, but anyways, so I had some problems with the... Not just from a fanboy standpoint... Because, again, as with every piece of, the, of writing that we've talked about, I'm sorry, if it's not good, we'll, we'll say it. And it's, I don't care if it's freaking Dan Slott. If it's not good, I'm going to say it. And, and see, the concept, I think, is an old trope that I, I'm not into. This idea of taking over your body kind of thing, I'm sorry, but I really... Yeah, I don't dig it. I really don't dig it. And so the more this has been progressing and now reading issue 700 and avenging 15.1, I'm still holding true to that. I really, 700 to me overall, like, don't get me wrong, the writing overall was solid. And despite the fact that I don't like this kind of story plot device, whatever you want to call it. Um, the writing overall was solid and I liked how he, he did it. And I liked the, the few different little things that were happening again with the characters and, and things like that. And, and, and Ock and Peter's body and how he did it. But, but I still maintain that I, I overall 700, I got to tell you overall, I was actually one of the ones that was disappointed with this. See again, overall for 700, there were so many individual points in that issue that I was like, oh, this is – it had a lot of really good scenes and segments. And overall, yeah, I felt it was a little uneven. And even some of the best parts of the issue were things we've seen before. Like in, in other comics, hell, within the past year in Ultimate Spider-Man is that Pete was dying. Like there, there were a lot of parallels there. Like I, I felt so much of the issue was really good. And I'm kind of with you. I, not the whole body switching thing, but – I remember if anybody that follows me on Twitter knows I was professing like months ago. I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen. I have this story. Fig- I was completely wrong, obviously. And of any of the possible scenarios that I had kind of, you know, worked out as to who could be the new superior Spider-Man, I kind of would have liked most of those better than what we did yeah. end up with. And and see, it's not just that for me. It's and and here's where we're going to blend a little bit talking about the the event as a whole and we'll break it apart later on but when you're looking at what is going on here which again folks i mean do we even have to say spoilers seriously if you if you don't already know this then you're you shouldn't be listening to a comic book podcast um but anyway so so dog Ock took over parker's brain now spoiler for the end of 700 he's redeemed it feels like Oh my God, I, I get to experience all of what you went through. Suddenly I, I see the light and it's like, all right, so now he's going to be a good boy. It's almost, it's like in 15.1 Avenging Spider-Man, it got retcon. <laughs> yeah. It was like immediate. And see, that's where I have a problem because yeah, I understand that you've got different writers working on this, but they got to get their crap together and agree on how they're going to progress with the story and with the characters. Because how are we as readers 
It, it kind of feels like the entirety of 15.1 occurred like in between the last two pages of 700, like at least conceptually in the, for the character development. Yeah. It, it just, it, it didn't fit at all, at all, at all. And again, it's, it's how are we as readers supposed to get emotionally invested in these characters, um, in this, this story that you're writing when we have gotten emotionally invested in Parker over, geez, you know, 700 freaking issues, not to mention everything else he's been in. Yeah. So we're, we're emotionally, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be well consistent. Over a it's thousand, gotta be closing in on 1500. Yeah. So it has to <laughs> That's not even counting alternate universes. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. So like you, if, if you're expecting us to make this leap with you and it's one hell of a leap here. So if you're expecting us to make this leap, then you, you gotta make sure that you're not just pulling the rug out from under us between these two series. And that's what it felt like. It, it seriously, he should have, you know, there should have been a picture of Parker on avenging Spider-Man holding up the issue 700 saying, psych. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it's like everything that happened there suddenly didn't matter. And and I, that's one of the biggest issues that I have here, actually. Yeah, I, I can agree because, like you said, on their own, like especially Avenging 15.1, I absolutely loved Avenging 15.1 from its approach to the, you know, Pete octopus, whatever. What, what, what the hell are we calling him? I we- honestly don't know. <laughs> It's the, the superior Spider-Man, the, new, the way they knew the and way approved they, Parker, <laughs> the way they approached that character. I really liked the, the writing of of how he portrayed himself and how over the course of that issue, you did see the growth of the character in a, in a new different way. And I, I liked that. And it, like I said, it was so shocking that he's like at the beginning of the issue, you're like, wait a minute, he's he's taken a couple steps back from where we left off at at the end of 700. Oh, more than just a couple. Um, okay, let's just dive into 700 right from the get-go. So the 700 opens, of course, and you've got Parker. Okay, you're right. Although from this point on, there is no Parker. Any, well, yeah, kind of. Octop- <laughs> yeah, how the hell are we going <laughs> to do this? This is going to be complicated. Okay, so, so Parker Octopus, dude, is is chilling out with, with Mary Jane. And here's another thing. I have so had it. With the face of Tiger, you just hit the jackpot. That line has been used so much. Now it's enough. Enough's enough. <laughs> I, I I think in this uh, one setting, I was okay with it because of, you know, the whole I Otto no. trying to, you know. No, I've had it. Maybe it's because I'm also reading Ultimate Spider-Man. I, I went back and I'm reading old archives mm-hmm. and it's in there as well. And it's like, enough. Enough with that. But anyways, um, what I really liked about this, and you see it right from the get-go, and we got to see a little bit of this in um, in the prior issues as well. And this is a testament to, to Dan's writing. Um, it, when you're looking at a character and not, with, not taking into account his actions, to be able to make it so that you can recognize the character based on how they talk. That's that's huge. That's again, a lot of people, all their characters sound the same with the exception of maybe a few colloquialisms. So here you have him where just the manner in which he talks when when he's telling you, explain, explain yourself, (laughs) different things. You really again, you you can see octopus behind the facade of Parker. So 
I was really kind of digging that. I, I liked how they did that. And then of course you get the flip side of that where you've got Parker inside of, and man, the octopus's body just looks like it's alien at this point, this <laughs> withered shell of an old guy. Um, but it's the same kind of thing where you see him dealing with the, the, the crew that he's recruited and broken out. And, uh, but again, right from the get go, you do see writing is bang on very, very, very like it's, it's good. It's engaging right from the get go. See, the one thing I liked best about those early scenes, like especially when Peter is interacting with, uh, Hydro Man and Trapster and all them is that's where you see some elements of Doc Ock's personality actually coming through in Peter's speech, like the way he's treating the others, you know, how he he's kind of being that that superior Pompous. intellect that's kind of looking down on them. And it's, it's, of course, foreshadowing, but it was done well, like at the yep. time, you, you, not knowing how it was going to end, it fit. And then looking back on it, it fit even better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, from there, of course, he dies momentarily. Um, typical scene here where, of course, he meets up with everybody who's he's ever known who died. I like how they aged him through the process. Ramus, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, you see what he looked like in those original kind of uh, the, the original series and very early on you see him interacting with different people who've died uh, and then you see him changing his appearance over the years as well as he's meeting everybody else meeting Sable I thought was very cool um, mm-hmm. very again because we we still never confirmed if she was exactly, dead or not exactly uh, and, and it's still not really this is made for all we know going on in his mind this is based on whatever mm-hmm. your religious beliefs are is what you're going to believe here uh, i like that she's hard on him though <laughs> like <laughs> you screwed up buddy and then of course who has to show up none other than ben of course and by which point he's suiting up at that point and uh and i like this i like that it's ben saying no you can't uh you can't die yet buddy you you still got work to do mm-hmm. so um so well done there yeah, it, it was so this whole scene was so phenomenally well done. But like I said, it's we kind of saw it just not that long ago in, in Ultimate Spider-Man. You know, yeah. it's a different version of it. But uh, I can't help it. I'm such a sucker for Pete and Uncle Ben scenes yeah. like never, <laughs> Who is never fails. When, you, when Uncle Ben <laughs> is, is actually involved in the story and I'm choking up, I was like, you, you bastards. <laughs> so at this point here, and this is where we see again problems with um, Doc Ock's ego essentially because he's figuring okay well if that's how it's going to be i'm just going to leave the country for a while he's coming for me he's not not going to find me but of course it doesn't take much to screw with his ego so that he decides to stick around just so that he can prove that he is smarter than than peter so so you 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 do get the confrontation eventually not before he kind of stacks the odds in his favor favor by kidnapping well not well yes kidnapping (laughs) everybody that Parker cares about and stowing them away somewhere. And that's where you get, again, some other scenes, the scenes that everybody's been waiting for with Jay Jonah and his father and May mm-hmm. kind of making up there. So that, that was a nice little piece in there too. There, there was a lot of these little fan moments, these little scenes that everybody's kind of been waiting for, hoping for kind of thing. And so there was, and of course, all this stuff with a, a potential relationship between Mary Jane again and, and Parker, although it's not really him. Although I really... <laughs> 
that's just slot messing with the fans. Yeah. <laughs> like, look, I could have done it this whole time. <laughs> but the scenes between them are fantastic because I, the personalities clash so much between Mary Jane and, and this new the Doc Ock Parker. So and I love that. That like, when she's pressing the button, you know I'll keep pressing it. <laughs> I will keep pressing it until you come out. See, I don't know. That's that's something that kind of didn't sit right with me like he was being so rude to her but she was still i love you like she i don't know it i think mary jane would have stood up to him a little more if he was talking to her like that of course not her not knowing who who it is like if peter regular peter had talked to her like that she would have probably punched him (laughs) i think that slots playing that up for a while longer and it'll come out later that's my my prediction and having read the new Spider-Man uh, a day early, I can tell you that I'm thinking that it's going to be played out later on because it's the same thing as you're reading it. You're thinking she wouldn't, she's too strong. But mm-hmm. when you're looking at what that relationship has been between the two, it's like, okay, well, I could see how there'd be some leeway there at some points. Now that said, <laughs> normally Ramus and drawing Mary Jane, it's like, his dream gig there are some shots in here of mary jane um like that one where she's pressing the button if you look at the bottom picture on that page whoo that's a little scary okay <laughs> that is not a good picture of mary jane and there's a few of those throughout the series uh, the issue i don't know hmm. if you notice that but yeah um so from there of course you get the confrontation at uh, Avengers Tower, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, everybody else has been is going off to take care of the Octobots in various places. And this is where you see Spider-Man, again, Doc Ock as Spider-Man, realizing just how powerful Parker's body really is. Yeah. That's when he takes the guy's freaking jaw off. <laughs> it's like, okay, this well, is what we can expect now. Not just that, I loved what led to that is the fact that he was about to attack May. Yeah. And as we know, Otto, you know, has a thing for May. As Peter, unfortunately, very well yeah. knows now. <laughs> <laughs> Which I got to, you know, I, w- I had no idea what I was looking for. Like in 699, when Dan Slott has said the most disturbing scene in Spider-Man history. <laughs> it's like, where? I'd, oh. oh. <laughs> anyway, but I, I, I like how it showed that Otto wasn't, you know, truly like 100% irredeemably a terrible person. You know, he still had people he cared about. And I think that kind of led into, you know, the developments later on in the issue of, you know, how that connection to May is kind of what formed the connection between Pete and Otto. So, which of course leads us then to the great big old fight down out of Horizon Labs. Um, and that is Horizon Labs, though, isn't it? Not that there were that was Avengers Tower. Avengers Tower. No, no, yeah, yeah, no, no. You're right, you're right, you're right. So um, on the ground where they're fighting, and basically Peter as Doc Ock has got next to no life left in him, but he is. And see, this is where you're like space magic kind of well, this is comic book magic where they can make anything try to make sense and he's like <laughs> wi-fi transmission from the little octobot to <laughs> to peter's body because the a wizard a new, did it yeah really that's what this boils <laughs> down to because it makes no sense whatsoever at all at all at all and see that's another thing that i actually do have a problem with again because 
again, I understand it's comic books, but at least try, try a little bit harder to try to actually make some sense of this comic book magic that you're trying to shovel down our throats. And this was just, come on, your Wi-Fi beaming up your personality to and your memories to Doc Ock. I, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, that's where I kind of get the feeling that a lot of this was accelerated, like even leading up to before 698, like things were moving a little fast because I mean, personally, I think seven, like before they had the whole relaunch planned when they assumed there was going to be an issue 701 when Slot was planning out his stories. I wouldn't be surprised if the end of 698 is what they planned for 700 and they just kind of had to accelerate their timeline because a lot of things, like I said, not just in this story, but in a few of the stories leading up to it just felt a little more rushed than usual. So I think that's just one of those things that might have possibly gotten lost in the time crunch of we only have so many pages left to tell the story. in. Yeah, possibly still. I'm sorry. I st- <laughs> I'm going to maintain that. I don't care. Um, and so, of course, at this point here, he's getting the memories bombarded into him, of course, Doc Ock. And so he is suddenly seeing the light. And see, this is <laughs> you want to talk about forcing a story. Here is this character that wanted to destroy the planet not that long ago in a fantastic Everybody story. has a bad day. Oh, this was <laughs> this. No, tell, tell me you've never had your finger on the button once or twice. You know what? <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> you cannot defend this. I'm sorry, but in the span. Just messing with oh, you. yeah. In the span of a few pages, he sees the light. And it's like he's going to be the best Spider-Man possible because now he has all of these memories of why Parker was the way that he was and and all this stuff. And it was like, you want to talk about forced. Like, I really, really, like, I was enjoying the story, even though I had a problem with that kind of brain swapping thing, you know. Um, I was still enjoying the story and how it was told. But here is again somewhere where at the end they try to force feed us something that is completely idiotic. And it's like, no, I, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief to a certain point. You passed it. And trying to make it seem like all of a sudden he's seen the light at the end. This character that literally only a few issues back tried to destroy the world. No, sorry, you lost me. I I was... I'm, it's not like I was furious going online to write him nasty tweets, but I was very disappointed. I liked it conceptually because, I mean, Peter as Spider-Man has been through so much over the course of 50 years and everything that happened in his life, of course, greatly impacted his development as a character, as as an adult even because he started so young. And it had a profound impact on a lot of the people who grew up reading those stories, who who went through all those things with Peter. So at least the way I see it conceptually, I get it of Spider-Man had such an impact on so many people's lives, not just in the comics, but actually in real life. I kind of get that. I I still didn't like the way it worked out in the story, but the way I'm the way I see it as, as kind of just. A, a celebration of, of 
of all the stories that have come before. I, I really liked it as that. Yeah, as far as you know, beaming the memories into Ock's brain and it flips the switch into him becoming a good guy. Uh, no, I'm not really with that, but it's kind of okay. I'm going along with it. You better, you better make this work. Well, and we saw how they didn't. So I'll let you take Avenging Spider-Man 15.1, and we'll go from there. Okay, so at the end of 700, Doc Ock, Spider-Man, God, just call him Superior, <laughs> Superior, Superior. Spider-Man. The new Superior Spider-Man is a changed man. He no longer wants to be a supervillain. <laughs> he has a new outlook on life. He's going to protect the innocent, fight for justice. And then 15.1 starts, and he's just kind of back to being a jerk again he's in Peter's douche. body. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it, to the point where it, they at least wrote it where he wasn't really all that yay, go team, good guys, where he, he still had kind of that supervillain mentality of I'm just going to do what I'm going to do in Peter Parker's body. I have the greatest life ever. And looking back, you know, through Peter's memories and all, all the stuff that he's done and how in Ox thinking he has screwed up every single thing he's done in his life, you know, and honestly, he's not that far not really. off from the truth. You know, all the things with Mary Jane, how he had, you know, one of the most beautiful women ever seen in the history of the Marvel Universe and screwed that up. And as he said, Parker's a fool. <laughs> so he's going about Pete's life, going to Horizon Labs, doing his thing. And realizing that, you know, he's smarter than Peter Parker. He can do this better. And going back to one of his old labs. And I loved this whole bit with, you know, him getting into the lab and, you know, realizing that he couldn't get into the lab anymore because the the voice signatures weren't keyed to Parker's vocal cords. And, you know, the, the, the arms acted as like an RF transmitter. All these security features he'd built in that are now acting against him. But here's where we get the character development that I did love so much about 15.1 of he is now being, basically he is now Spider-Man fighting Dr. Octopus in, in a certain way. And he's still so confident, you know, he's, he's a more brilliant scientist. You know, he's, he's 10,000 times the man Peter Parker could ever dream of, but then comes to that realization that as much as he thinks he's the better man, Pete still won every damn time. And I like that bit of the character development of him realizing that maybe he's not the better man. You know, he might be smarter. He might be a better scientist. But there are things about Peter Parker that made him the better man in every encounter. And that's the thing I loved so much about 15.1. Yeah, when he's in the secret vault and he basically trashes it without really too much problem and realizes just how much power is in that body and just how how he did really <laughs> there's a reason why he could never beat him and now he understands it a lot better there there were those few moments that i like again in terms of what the story was i didn't have a problem with it it's just that it mm-hmm. in the same month month retconned what had just happened in same day yeah in in the in the biggest Marvel story going on right now kind of thing. Uh, it's just yeah, whatever. So like, uh. if they had done something like this instead of the whole little brain swap, like, you know, memory flash thing, I think overall the storyline would have worked out oh, better. much better, much better. And especially because, and I'm not going to discuss what happens in the new Spider-Man, um, but I did get my hands on a copy a day early, and so of course I gobbled it up. And I don't want to discuss it because that would be a spoiler that people would be very mad justifiably with me. But just to say, looking at what happens in that 
issue, looking at what happens in this and then also the lead up in um, the, the real title, Amazing Spider-Man, had they not done such a huge deal about this, this, this memory flood that changed him and seeing the light, but just made it so that maybe there were, there were hints. There were just like mm-hmm. little things going on that it was like, like when he, he, a few things happen, even in this one, when he stops that robber who's running by, uh, and it's just like instinctual and like yeah. those little things, if they'd done more of that and not the, I have seen the light kind of thing, I would be more behind this, even though I don't like the brain swapping thing, just because we have been seeing these very interesting little moments from a writing perspective of Parker being written that way because they are such different characters. And I will say that for the first issue of Superior, there's scenes in there that are phenomenal, phenomenal because we get to see Doc Ock in that body and Doc Ock dealing with other people and stuff like that. And it's fun and it's different. I don't know how long I would want it to be different because we like Parker. (laughs) We, 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 we like everything about that character. So we kind of want him back and miss him. But for a while, that writing device does create some fairly interesting scenes, but it's, it's that whole seeing the light. I I still haven't read seven Superior. Avenging or God Superior, Superior that one. one yeah. <laughs> I still haven't read that one, so I, I can't comment. But uh, I, I at least agree with your sentiments. And you know, we know at some point things are going to have to be set right again. Probably around the time the next Amazing Spider-Man movie comes out. If I'm just going to take a wild guess, <laughs> really? So you think it's going to last that long? I, I give it about a year. I'd, I'd say they'll, they'll give it a good year. Hmm. And, but of course, it, it's at some point, it's going to have to be set right again. Because like you said, it's it's Peter Parker. There is no character in comics that you you can live without less than Peter Parker. Like he he's always, in my mind, been the perfect superhero character. Not my favorite, but everything, like I said, he's gone through in the, in the 50 years has made him one of the most perfect comic book characters both in and out of costume. So, of course, he has to come back. Well, and now he iconicizes kind of Marvel, how, too. Like how, he, can, how can they fix this? Yeah, really. But, yeah, no, it's it's when you think of Marvel, there are certain characters that you think of. And certainly, obviously, Spider-Man is one of them. I mean, that's one of the things, too, in the little uh, extras that were tossed into uh, Amazing um, Spider-Man number 700 there. There was that letter <laughs> saying yeah. how there's that Spider-Man day, which killed me. I thought that was hysterical. I did not know that. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yes. So there's a Spider-Man day. I think that's. I, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah. So the there there's that the character is has a lot of importance in comic books and outside of comic books. So to kind of lose that is just not going to happen for very long. Like you were saying, obviously, in one way, shape or form, he's coming back. All right, jumping back to those backups in 700 because I forgot I wanted to bring this up. The uh, the, the first backup story with the grandpa and his kid. Yeah. I loved that story. It, it was very – it was a very cool read, very nice. Who were those people? 
<laughs> and from beginning to end, I was like, I don't know who these people are, but it, it was great. It was a great little story. <laughs> I see. I think it could be taken one of two ways. It could be taken as a, a parallel universe kind of thing where here's mm. a, a version of Spider-Man and that is still fairly similar to ours and also other heroes or more. The, the only reason why I would think that it, it's that is because his name is Martin. So that kind of led me off there. But had they not done that, I thought that it was more about his memory loss. And that's something that he mentions too. It, it kind of blurs after a while mm-hmm. because he's lived so damn long. So he's kind of blending heroes. And I kind of like that. So mm-hmm. you have. I, the, I, I love like the whole little confusions of the story. Of, yes. You know. <laughs> That was I it like. a hippopotamus? No, a rhinoceros, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So had they not named him Martin, I would have been like, this is freaking awesome. But then it was like, Martin? Martin? Why? What? What the hell? Martin? <laughs> it was so good. I just have no idea who I was reading about. Yeah. It was a damn sight better than the freaking Black Cat story after that. That was yeah, a I piece just of skimmed crap. that one. Crap. Well, that was terrible. Absolutely terrible. As a 700 issue, though. In terms of money, uh, your value for what you paid, what did you think? It Comparing was, it to what we've what, seen before in big ones. So, actually, I'd have to scroll back to see. I don't know. I got the digital version. So, Well, you basically got five times approximately a normal comic for for your dollar. Oh so yeah, there was, was a lot there. It was it was less than five times the price of a, co- a regular comic. So, but again, I, yeah, but it's not all great stuff either. I mean, the, the story was longer take, than normal. Take out, so. the, take out the black cat thing, and that was only what like six pages. Eight. Yeah. So all right, whatever. I, I, I even still, I I feel it was a good value. A lot of these, you know, big centennial issues. Um, you know, they give you the main story and, you know, they'll give you like a backup and then they'll just give you like 30 pages of a cover gallery or, you know, you know, sketches and stuff. So story content alone, this was a better value than most of these big centennial issues. And, you know, I, I, I thought it was OK with her. Okay. Yeah. See, because this, too, has like, what, seven pages of covers and then it's got the work in progress, which I actually like that stuff. I, I, I mm-hmm. was late seeing that stuff. The black like some, I think it was so like, bad. what was it? Detective 700 or whatever it was. It was like, it, it was a $9 comic and you know, there was nowhere near $9 worth of content in there. See, it, it's funny because you say, just take out the black cat story and it's like, but it pisses me off that it's in there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why they, they chose that. This is supposed to be like, you know, something of importance and you're tossing like, in crap. I'm looking like I have no idea who Jen Van Meter is, but I'm, I'm assuming Stephanie Busima is probably Sal Busima's daughter. So I think that's why they, they chose in there. I wouldn't be surprised if Jen Van Meter is the daughter of, you know, one of the famous Spider-Man creators over the years. So I, I think that's why that was in there. I, I'm not saying it was worth it, but I, I, that's at least the reason I can think of. <laughs> All right. So anything else for avenging or uh, you good to go? I think we've covered all of our bases. Yeah. So we will be talking about Superior soon, possibly next week. I don't know if you wanted to do that or not. Um, it is, it's interesting. 
I got some things to say about it. That's for damn sure. <laughs> well, probably what we're reading it because we have a pretty hefty uh, discussion for next week anyway. Yeah. Speaking of which, so what have you been reading? All right. What have I been reading? Um, some in, some some side stuff here. Uh, first of all, Voltron Year One uh, finished up its little miniseries run, and I absolutely loved that story, and it had nothing to do with the fact that it was a Voltron series. That's what was so great about this prequel. The story could have been told in you know a generic setting it didn't need the voltron ip to to make it succeed but you take those characters that you know the fans are familiar with and put them in that setting and it becomes even more interesting like the story itself was really cool lots of political intrigue uh you know the the the, uh the higher-ups in the government and the military are doing shady things so you know these space explorers kind of uncover it and kind of realized that it was probably for the greater good all along. And it, it was just really, really good story, really fun. And then, like I said, tying it into the the Voltron uh, canon improved everything all around. So I, I thought that was very well done. Uh, Hellblazer, uh, as we as many people know, uh, issue 300 is the final issue. And it's a comic I've been reading on and off for probably about the last year now when I started like, hey, let me – you know, let me start reading Hellblazer again. I think it was around issue 250 where I was, you know, heard 250 was good. So I kind of been poking my head in every now and then. So I picked up uh, issue 298, uh, which is the first part of the final story. And it was so interesting because at the beginning of the story, John Constantine knows exactly when he's going to die. So it's, it's of course, a big analogy for the fact that the series is about to end. And he's okay with it. Like he's accepted it. He he knows that there there are no magical wild cards he can play to try and get out of it. Whereas of course his wife is constantly trying to come up with ways to save him. So I, I thought it was pretty, pretty nifty as kind of a, a meta statement as to the state of the comic itself, how the fans really wanted to stay around, but the creative team has pretty much accepted that, you know, there's only three issues left. Let's just, let's just go with it. I thought that was pretty fun. Cool. Uh, X-Men legacy. Uh, you caught up on that one. Yep. Yeah. I love what they're doing there. So do I with, you know, because going in, we knew, OK, it's going to be Legion kind of picking up the charge where Charles Xavier left off. But at issue three, his interactions with those Chinese kids and him finally coming to the decision of why he's going to do this and how he's going to do this. Not necessarily because of everything Charles did for him, because as we've seen, they had a very strenuous relationship. But how he makes his decision to become what he's going to become, I thought that was very well handled. I absolutely loved that. Yeah, that's one of the ones that we talked about when it first came out. It was one of those. It was a borderline when it first came yeah, out. Yeah, what's going to happen? How are they going to handle this? Because, of course, we'd heard that it was mainly him kind of thing. And so far, it still is. That's the thing. We haven't really seen enough interactions between him and the rest well, of the um, X-Men. Issue four, it's going to happen. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but even then, up until now, it's still he's carrying it. And he's doing a mm-hmm. damn fine job. So, no, it's been good. And then the last one I wanted to talk about is a new comic from Image uh, called Mara, Mara. I'm not sure exactly how I'm supposed to pronounce it. I guess it's Mara if you're American, Mara if you're English. Uh, But it's written by Brian Wood, who we know from uh, The Massive and Ultimate X-Men. And I just thought it was a really fun read of this alternate future where, you know, as, of course, things have gone awry at some point, you know, wars and economic, you know, collapse and this and that. And the way civilization has kind of brought itself back together is through athletic competition. You know, sports have really become the common bond between everybody on earth. It's how the nations, you know, 
prove who's superior, not by bombing each other, but by, hey, our volleyball team is better than yours. And it follows this character, Mara, who is the most popular sports star on earth at this time. And it breaks into, you know, marketing and all these things that we know about athletes of, you know, how their every move is being judged and, you know, their marketing deals vary from from second to second. Like she's actually making marketing deals in the middle of playing a volleyball game. Like, you know, take a clip of that that spike I just made and upload it to my YouTube channel, stuff like that. It was just a really fun, really different. And I really enjoyed that first issue. Hmm, cool. And that that that's all I got for us this week. All right. Well, sticking with X-Men, um, did you read the... <laughs> okay, yeah. Not yet that. Did you read Extreme X-Men, the newest one? I issue think it's eight, number eight. Right? Yes. With the ponies? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is some messed up stuff. Okay. <laughs> but fantastic. It, yes. It was just... It was just so bizarre, right? And of course, I'm thinking of Tart. I'm thinking there, Tart. We're going to talk <laughs> about ponies. It's not going to be my pretty ponies, but it's going to be cooler. It's going to be Xavier ponies <laughs> from hell. <laughs> so I just thought it was hysterical. And it was funny because it fit. It it just, the he has so much that he can play with here because of all these alternate dimensions and everything else. So Every once in a while, having fun. To mention where everybody's a unicorn. <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was hysterical. But what's funnier is that now, and is by no, it's it's not his intent. But now that I know that 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 Logan is gay, <laughs> and I know not all gay men are effeminate. Okay, I'm not trying to cast stereotypes, but for fun, <laughs> say everything he says now when he's <laughs> saying something in a very effeminate tone. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing, girl? <laughs> With his claws popping out. <laughs> and all of a sudden... Why do I get the feeling the next issue of Wolverine and the X-Men I'm really going to read is yeah, really? a very different <laughs> look now. Because it is. It's hysterical. I just... <laughs> it makes it so much more fun to read. <laughs> and it already is fun. That and then, Cyclops relationship is in a whole oh, yeah. new light now. <laughs> when he sees Hercules at the end, too. And I was like, oh... That's yeah. just, that's fun. Um, so anyways, read that. And uh, and then, of course, the all-new X-Men. Yeah. Now, I'm just going to come out and say it. This is, in my opinion, the best X-Men title we've seen in years now. I am so enamored with this series. It's unbelievable. And we are now seeing all of the things that we had talked about, especially with Jean Grey and how much of a shock it would be to her system to suddenly be telepathic. Well, we're getting that in these two issues here. And toss on top of that, all the problems that Beast is having, trying to A, survive, um, and then the young Beast being there and giving him a hand trying to, to solve the problem. I... There was nothing in these two issues, because I read four and five back to back, that I just did not absolutely adore entirely. It was it was amazing. I, I have nothing more to say. It's so fantastic. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Because I, I, like, I've been racking my brain thinking of the the wealth of X titles we've read over the years. I mean, um, X-Force has been so phenomenal that we've been reading from Remender's work lately. And what's funny is that I'm reading this and I'm pegging this above that. Even. Hey, I just started like rereading just for fun, astonishing X-Men again. And right. Like it's up there. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. If we look at the initial run, the, the Whedon run from, uh, from astonishing, which was so unbelievable. 
I'm pegging this higher than that as well. Like I, I, I am so loving this. It's, it's unbelievable. It's just such a good series. And then seeing the, all of the interactions between the new, the younger team and the existing team has been incredible. And then of course, like we've been wanting this epic beast story now for a while and i'm not going to spoil the end of five but that's freaking epic <laughs> okay <laughs> that one panel especially it's like holy crap because now this is what is going to be again in the canon from now on like a little bit of a spoiler but we got a brand new beast here okay so this is going to be very very cool like i my hopes are so high for this series it's unbelievable I kind of liked Kitty Cat Beast, though. I don't know. This one is freaking awesome, though. Look at him. I know, but I, I liked Cat Beast. Like, yeah. I, I, really I liked thought that some that was a little too Kitty Cat for some of them there. But anyway. It varies from artist to artist, of course. True, very true. But this is going to be more awesome. <laughs> All right. So for this week, we are looking at from the Marvel crew, Age of Apocalypse number 11. I need to get caught up on those. I actually I've have really been enjoying it. Yeah, I've actually lapsed behind a few issues. So I need to get caught up. Um, Avengers Arena number three. I I read one and that was it. But there you have it. That, that, that's about to drop off our list, I believe. Yeah. Cable and X-Force number three. I read number two. And actually, I'm still in for... At least a few more. We'll see how it goes from there. Uh, Fantastic Four number three. First X-Men five of five. Marvel Universe versus the Avengers four of four. So I'm hoping that at some point you're going to toss that in for us to talk about those as well. It's coming up. Don't worry. Uh, It's good. Uh, Punisher Nightmare number two of five. Punisher Warzone number three. Secret Avengers 36. Superior Spider-Man. Make sure you pick it up, folks. There's a bunch of variant covers as well. Number one. Uh, Thor God of Thunder number four. Thunderbolts number three, which I kind of put in there just because it's one of the new ones, but man. Ultimate Comics X-Men number 21 awesome stuff there Wolverine and the X-Men number 23 and X-Men Legacy number 4 on the DC side we're looking at Action Comics oh actually just the 16s we're looking at Action Comics Animal Man Batwing Detective Comics Green Arrow and Swamp Thing and then for the newer ones we've got Dial H number 8 uh, Earth 2 number 8 and World's Finest number 8. And then the only other two that I thought were worth a damn, and even then one of them eh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Secret History of the Foot Clan number 104. That's going to be awesome. And then eh, Walking Dead 106. <laughs> <laughs> I Did you read 105? I, I haven't even read 101 yet. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm taking a break. Yeah, 105 was like, ah, oh, dude. I meh, really didn't do much. So... You know what? It's funny. I and again, I we know he can write, and some people are, I'm sure, are absolutely loving this. But it's almost at the point where it's off my reading list. That's just how much it's been so bleh for me lately. So, On the bright side, uh, Invincible ninety nine just came out, and that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, with that, we're going to wrap it up. Of course, you can find the show notes at comicbookinformer.com. We are on Twitter at cbinformer, and we will be back next week. Um, how do you feel about taking point on uh, five fifteen point one, and I'll do seven hundred? Uh, sure. That'll just give us both something to yak about. Uh, I'm sure we'll both have plenty to say. Oh no, no, I know that, but I'm just unlike you. I look to get you involved when I host. I'm sorry, Roger. (laughs) 